Hey, this is Bert Miller, senior pastor at Solid Ground Church in Lewis, Delaware. I just want to thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast and let you know that today's message is going to be a little bit different. It's an abbreviated communion message given by our executive pastor, Bob Dagan, at our special worship and communion service this past Sunday. It's a great time. I hope you get a lot out of it, and we will see you all next week for the regular message. God bless, and have a great week. Welcome to the Solid Grounds Worship and Communion Sunday, where we do things just a little different. We play more worship songs, and we have a message that's related to communion. It's a shorter message than uh, our normal Sunday messages. But uh, if we haven't met, my name's Bob. I'm one of the pastors here at Solid Ground. And if you don't know our worship team, that was Mark, Andy leading, Ashley, and Eric. And let's hand it for them, because... You know, the songs just don't come by themselves. I know they were here Thursday night practicing. I saw them here last night checking their equipment. They're here this morning around 7 o'clock, a little bit more rehearsal, and then, of course, they have, they're staying until the last service. So we really appreciate that. You know, when I think of communion, there's two books or verses or places in the Old Testament that just jump out of the page for me. My favorite, of course, is Psalm 22, and we've spoken about that here uh, at communion services in the past, written by David a thousand years before. kind of gives a glimpse of the thoughts of Jesus from the cross down. The other one, though, is what we're going to look at today, some verses from Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was a prophet that lived about 700 years before Christ was crucified. And yet, in vivid detail, he carries us through the crucifixion. And so we understand what the purpose was. The whole reason we're here to take communion is we remember what Jesus did for us in the payment of our sins. Um, And, you know, there's no reference in the Bible to remembering his birthday. There's nothing in the Bible that tells us that really to celebrate the day we call Christmas, though I'm glad we do. But there's a constant reference to remembering his death and resurrection, communion. So I'm just going to jump in here with a couple of um, highlights because we don't have time to do justice to this entire area. But Isaiah... 53 is where we're going to be focusing on. The Bible consists of 66 books written by 40 authors over thousands of years, but supernaturally engineered by God. And the longer you read it, the more you see that supernatural engineering and how it all comes together. The chapter and verse breaks, not so much. Man added those a lot later. And I'm glad they did because it makes it easy for us to find a reference, to memorize scripture and so forth. But this is not a good break here, Isaiah 53. The thought really begins in Isaiah 52, three verses earlier, Isaiah 52, 13. That's the whole theme. Um, Now, because we don't have time to go through every single verse, I put this up here so that you might look at it this week on your own. um, And if you're in a community group, this is what your community group leaders are going to be going over with you this week is the details of this message from Isaiah speaking about Jesus and 
the price he would pay for our debt or our sins. He begins in um, Isaiah 52, 13. He says, Behold, my servant, that's God speaking through the prophet Isaiah, talking about Jesus. He said, He shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. I think we can all agree on Jesus being exalted, being lifted on high. We worship him. That's the reason we're here today. Paul would write in Philippians 2.9, he would say, Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. But there's another word here, and it says he's extolled, which does mean to lift up. But it means to lift up as with a burden, a heavy burden. So what did Jesus bear as he was lifted up? The weight of our sins. Jesus foretold that himself. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Extolled. Isaiah goes on and says that this Jesus, this Messiah who would come 700 years after this, would be appalled. His visage would be so marred, it would be, he would, it would be difficult to recognize him as a human being. How could that be? Well, we know about the beatings, you know, we know about the, the stripes across his back, which tore the flesh out of his back. We know about the thorns that they pushed into his scalp, and you can imagine the blood pouring from his head. But there was more than that. Gospels tell us that he was buffeted, and I'm not sure if you know what that means, but buffeted means to have your eyes covered. They probably put something over his head or maybe uh, wrapped something over his eyes. And then the Roman guards, powerful Roman guards, took their fist and they would punch him in the face. Now, you know, if you can see a, a punch coming, you can kind of flex it a little bit. You can get ready. It's still going to hurt but you can kind of prepare your body for that, but not if your eyes are covered and you don't see it coming. That's what buffeted means. His visage, his appearance was so appalling that they could hardly recognize him as a human being. Isaiah goes on and says in uh, the last verse of 52, he says that, he will sprinkle many nations, which is kind of neat because what does that mean? Well, back in those days, the Jews might have understood this. And in Jesus' day, there was a temple, Solomon's temple, Herod's temple, as he improved it and took, gave it his name. There was a holy place where the priests would minister and so forth, and then there was a veil, and behind that was a place called the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant stayed. And you probably know that no one could enter the Holy of Holies except one person, the high priest. And he could only do that one day a year, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, he went into. He would never enter the Holy of Holies without taking blood with him. And he would sprinkle the blood across the Ark of the Covenant 
as atonement for the sins of the Jewish nation and so forth. Isaiah sees Jesus as sprinkling many nations. His salvation is not just for the Jews, it's for the entire world. A great prophecy, often missed. Um, and then he goes on to say in verse 53, uh, chapter 53, verse 1, probably the highlight of the entire message. He says, who has believed our message, our report? Who has believed it? Sadly, Isaiah foresaw that when Jesus would walk the earth, prophesied, witnessed to them for three years, the majority of the people did not believe the message, his report. I think today, fast forward 2,000 years after the cross, who has believed his report? I'm glad you do, but there's billions of people on this planet. How many of them believe the report, the message? So that breaks my heart. He goes on and he says that he'll grow up, Jesus would grow up, which is one of the reasons why the Jewish people cannot attribute this to the nation of Israel, because it speaks of an individual growing up. As a, well, the King James says, a tender plant. So that doesn't satisfy me. I look up the meaning of that. And it means if you have a tree and you fell the tree and a sprout comes up out of the trunk, that's what this word means, a sprout from a felled tree. He goes on to say, adds the words, like a root out of dry ground. Gives the impression that this Messiah isn't from this domain. He doesn't belong here. This isn't where he came from. But he grew up here like a sprout, like a root out of dry ground. There's a few more verses that Isaiah gives us that we've put together in a short video that we'll play for you so that you can grasp more of what Isaiah is predicting about Jesus. Amen. 700 years before it took place. Well, I'm going to fast forward now in the time we have left and take you to the Gospel of John. Because John, like I said, the Bible is supernaturally engineered, speaks of this event that took place. And we have this message in uh, John 12. I'm going to pick up in verse 37 where he says, even after Jesus had performed so many signs, you know, the miracles, the healings, bringing people back from the dead, even after he had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill or in fulfillment of the prophecy given by Isaiah. Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been extended? I'm jumped down to verse 41. It says, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and he spoke about him. And then jumping down to verse 44, these are the final, this is the final public ministry of Jesus just before the 
final dinner with his disciples privately and then the crucifixion and so forth. But his public ministry ends right here. Verse 44 says, Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me, God the Father. The one who looks at me. This is fantastic. Let me say it again. The one who looks at me, Jesus is saying, is seeing the one who sent me. As they were looking at Jesus, they were seeing God. Is there, could it be any clearer that Jesus is claiming to be God? He says, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And Jesus goes on, he says, if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them on the last day, for I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say, all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. And with that, he closes his public ministry. So in just a couple of minutes, the ushers are going to come out and they're going to distribute the cup and the bread and I'm going to ask that you hold on to those elements until everyone's received them. And then I'll come back and we'll partake together. The worship team's now going to come up. They're going to play a song while we're receiving the elements. And um, I want you to be thinking about something, though. If you don't understand what's going on here, if you've never accepted this Jesus as your Lord and Savior, while the song's playing, I encourage you to just cry out to Jesus Close your eyes and just cry out to him and say, I am a sinner. Everyone in this room is. I am a sinner like everyone else. And I want Jesus to come into my heart. And he will. His spirit will enter you instantly. You don't have to wait a week. It won't be mailed to you. It's instant. For those of you who already know Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to ask you to do something too. I'm going to ask you during the song to rededicate your commitment to Jesus. I think that tougher times are ahead for Christians. It's already very difficult to be set aside from the world. We're told not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by his word. Um, so I want you to rededicate your life. Make that commitment to walk in his ways and to acknowledge that he is our king of kings. And I'll be back in a minute.